This is the Off the Break Podcast, your podcast dedicated to current movie theater news, operations, and insights from the people that book the movies. Now, here are your hosts, Cody, Kyle, and Ken. All right, everybody, welcome to Off the Break Podcast. Sans Cody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're in the host chair now. No Cody this week for us. I'm in the driver's seat. <laughs> Who knows where this will take us? <laughs> Rub well, up the engine. Let's go. I'm going to try to keep this very low key today so we don't get in trouble when the boss comes back. Yeah. Did you guys behave? <laughs> More than usual. Yeah. It's better. Very good. <laughs> All right. So let's kick this off, huh? We can just jump right into it and we'll go in order this week, which we haven't been doing the last few weeks. Just so much excited with our new uh, podcast studio and everything looking nice coming together, which by the way, you can see on our YouTube channel at Off The Break Podcast. So if you're listening to us, check us out there too and subscribe. All right. So we have release schedule changes. Actually, we have a couple of release announcements and two schedule changes. Yeah. Um, first off, there is a Ghostbusters sequel coming, probably the sequel to Ghostbuster, Ghostbusters Afterlife, excuse me, uh, that is supposed to be releasing December 22nd, 2023. Ghostbusters Ever Afterlife? Ever After... Oh, my God. That has to be what it is. <laughs> Afterlife to... 2 is what it'll be. Yeah, most likely. God. Um, Gerard Butler will be back in theaters as well. Uh, from Lionsgate, there's going to be a new action thriller movie, which is pretty much any Gerard Butler movie ever. But it's going to be releasing at the beginning of 2023 on January 27th. Perfect. It's good for a $40 million opening and we'll play several weeks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't care if he's fighting a giant alligator or an asteroid. No one does. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, South or North Korean terrorists. <laughs> I feel like two of three of those descriptions were Gerard Butler movies. At least the asteroid one was. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't white. It was Olympus has fallen. Is that was the, one? the North Korean terrorist? Oh, that was that one's not bad actually. I, I kind of like that one. Those are all fine. They're exactly what they needed to be. Yeah, in January. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Anyway, as for release date changes. Uh, Dune Part 2 was just announced that it's moving back a few weeks from uh, October 20th, 2023 to November 17th, 2023. Yeah, I saw that. That is perfect change. You think so? Yeah, no. It, Dune, the last one released in October because they had to. Yeah. <laughs> they, there well, were so many movies mm-hmm. in the holiday corridor. They didn't have a choice, but it needs to be. It's a blockbuster movie that they're going to spend $200 million on. Like It has to be at the beginning of summer. 4th of July, or it has to be Thanksgiving and Christmas. Otherwise, it's not going to do the numbers it needs to do. Interesting. I would kind of think that October could be still a good time because, I mean, for the times that we were in when Dune was released, um, it did pretty well, all things considered. It did just good enough for them to make a sequel. It Fair just enough. crossed. It just crossed that line, I felt like. Like Warner Brothers was on the fence, but it held on, and the numbers added up cumulatively. It got to that point where they're like, okay <laughs> we'll make another one that that is a good point like thinking back on it they did wait a bit longer than people expected for the sequel to be greenlit so it was yeah touch and go but that's it has to be in that corridor if you're spending that kind of money on a movie you've got to put it in a place where it can actually make money and as of right now uh from what i've seen there isn't too much on um that part of the release calendar yet i'm sure that's going to change down the yeah. road but right now it's um pretty much like the big blockbuster of that time period so that could also mean that everyone else sort of backs off yeah yeah that helps save that spot basically for people to either 
come up and challenge Warner Brothers or move out of the way. <laughs> For sure. Uh, and then finally, there's a movie from Universal Pictures called Migration, which is being moved back from June 30th, 2023 to December 22nd, 2023. I believe it's an Illumination project, so it's going to be an animated family title. It's a poisonous monarch butterfly documentary <laughs> for the kids <laughs> for the kids of course um but seeing that these are the most recent release changes that are being announced it seems like we're now out of the um pandemic bubble of releases that got lost within that bubble and now we're focused on like what's going to be coming out in 2023 and we're moving 2024. on yeah we're moving on we're i think we're out of that period to where what movie that was supposed to be released in 2020 is now been played? Yeah. COVID who? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. See you later, sucker. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that those were pretty much the more um, relevant release changes or re- release announcements to have. And it was just kind of a sign that the industry has been able to move forward, I think, with the likes of Top Gun Maverick. And now we're about to see uh, Minions 2 do that. I know. Thank God we finally have another children's animated movie. <laughs> what will we do without them? I know. Well, we have to have them, but it's been so sparse this year. Mm-hmm. We've had Sonic, which is technically live action, but it's a family movie, and then Bad Guys, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Before that, it was Sing uh, at uh, Christmas. So we've had very little in the way of family, uh, you know, children-based fare. There's been nothing out there. Yeah. So Minions is about to, you know, at Universal had projections out there of 70, 75 million. I think that's incredibly low. I think this is going to blow the doors off this weekend. Wow. You think, think so? Because yeah. that's about on par with Despicable Me 3, I just learned today. Yeah. No, the, the numbers, that, that number makes sense. But on this holiday with... I mean, bad guys was not a known quantity. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, you know, it was a shot in the dark. It was a they optioned a book series and and made it work, and it opened to fifty million. Sonic had an eighty million dollar opening, and that was a reasonably known quantity. Yeah. it had it. It was a sequel. It had everybody coming back. Jim Carrey was in it. You knew what it was going to be, and it did eighty, and it's past the the predecessor. I know there was COVID shortened numbers, but it wasn't accumulating at that point. It was just sort of i mean it was a right. uh just getting you know a couple million dollars a week it wasn't gonna do yeah. anything major but this is a massive known quantity i mean kids spent two years inside watching everything minions watching <laughs> despicable me one two three watching the minions watching all the shorts i mean there's shows that they do like holiday specials that come up on streaming services these kids and these families are ready for this one. And the parents never once got annoyed about it. It's so it's so crazy. No. The best... <laughs> they totally were on board with watching them all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're trying not to stab out your own eyes. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm pumped. I get to go see Minions here in a couple hours with my six-year-old. So mm-hmm. I'm excited to see what his... Uh, excitement level is i'm sure i mean he's freaked out when he's seen the previews in theater but i think having the illumination light up at the beginning of the movie i think he's just gonna lose his mind yeah that's their (laughs) pixar now yeah yeah no i guess yeah that actually i've never thought about that way but that's probably talk about that later but yeah Mm -hmm. illuminate about um pixar falling off but illumination has really taken hold 
um, Illumination and Sony Sony Animateds have really done numbers. Oh, I guess the Sony Animation stuff has they've been really picked good it up too. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and they've got you know Spider Verse, which is going to be another you know half billion dollar movie <laughs> whenever <laughs> right. whenever it comes out. Yeah, but Illumination is is the new Pixar just hit after hit after hit, no matter what it is. Yeah, well, you were saying that with Minions, are really excited because all of the animated projects that we have haven't, you know, it just hasn't quite felt enough of them. But what about for the rest of, like, the month of July? Because we're going to have that on top of Paws of Fury, on top of DC, League of Super Pets. That, that, that should be pretty good, though, for possibly July and August. No, it's great, but... Then we don't have any in September or October. Yeah. And November is thin for family specific fare. So it's it's a lot in a short time, but it's a good time to have it. And these these will cannibalize each other. I mean, people aren't gonna go back have to go back for repeat viewings of minions like they did for Sonic or for Bad Guys or mm-hmm. for God love it, Sing Two <laughs> that you had to go back to if you wanted to see a family animated movie. I was in theaters for four months. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not there's not going to be that long extended run, but opening this with a Fourth of July Monday, which yes is a pain for for theaters. You're you're closed. You're half open on a Monday, and then Tuesday your week starts off normal, even though you're up until one o'clock in the morning. And for anybody that's in an office related with movies, it's even worse because it shortens your week to get things accomplished. Right. But Monday is the best day for the 4th of July to fall on because Sunday night is an underutilized time for people to go to movies. And your Sunday matinee is going to be huge. Your Sunday evening is going to be huge comparatively Mm. because the general population does not have to go to work on Monday morning and you are going to see a huge explosion on Sundays with people like I've been inside with my kids for two straight days. I need to get them (laughs) somewhere. And all we can hope for is rain (laughs) this weekend to get people inside. I mean, if that happens, then come right on in. You're going to see more people than you would on like a sunny day, but you're still, it still is going to be a good show. One of the very few industries that prays for rain (laughs) are theater owners. Yeah, no kidding. Hmm. But uh, I'm going to see Minions, but you did see Elvis this last week. I did. Yeah, and that was quite a trip, <laughs> I, I have to say. I've, I've read the reviews, and I, I'm, I'm not getting any negative pushback other than the fact that Baz Luhrmann's pacing in this is just frantic for the first half of the movie. Yeah, and it still feels long at the same time. Really? Yeah. yeah. I don't know how he does it, but that's just... <laughs> he does that with every one of these. I, I guess like with the structuring of the movie, he goes through Elvis's life so fast in the first two thirds, and then in the final third, or I guess, no, I'll say like in the first half of the movie, he goes through through his life very quickly up until like his days of performing in Vegas. And then the second half, where it's it, it's just all about his time in Vegas, yeah, and uh, the 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 back and forth um, nature of the relationship between uh, his manager Colonel, I don't know what his name is now, Sanders or whatever the heck it is, <laughs> Colonel Sanders and Elvis, and uh, and when it comes to that second Colonel half, Hanks. Colonel Tom Hanks, <laughs> who somehow looks like Fat Bastard from uh, the Austin Powers movies, I, I'm not making that up by the oh, way. Oh my like, gosh, he. he that performance is just wild, but yeah, somehow the pacing is both fast and slow, and you especially notice it in the second half of the movie, but I gotta say, I kind of liked it. 
Um, I'm not particularly big into Boz Lerman's directing style, but for whatever reason, Elvis worked for me here. Um, I don't know if it's because it just works well for like a biopic for someone with the legacy that Elvis had, or maybe it was the performance of Elvis from Austin Butler, which was really, really great. Uh, but yeah, I don't know why. I just was very interested in what happened in that movie. But it was good enough to to watch and watch again. It wasn't a waste of three hours. <laughs> no, I mean, I wouldn't say it's a waste. I, mean, I, I think you either have to be, uh, you kind of have to be into movies or you have to be into the career of Elvis. Yeah. Um, and that's why in my theater, I noticed a lot of uh, older audiences in my mm -hmm. screening. I mean, I took my mom to see it, so <laughs> that tells you enough. But um, it was it, they seemed really into it, though. They seemed, despite the um, directing style being probably not what most of these audiences are used to, mm -hmm. they seem to have still been very engaged and enjoyed it. Good. Yeah, we and I think it helped. Um actually that Top Gun came out first and brought these audiences back a little bit. I think so too. It got them <laughs> comfortable, I think. Because, I mean, the number was right where we expected it at a 31 or $32 million opening. Yeah, 30. It was in the the range of what we thought it was going to be. I was hoping it was going to be bigger, but it's it's a solid, solid opener. It's going to play for a while. And certain locations, it did great. Well, I mean, the fact that um, it was going so... It, it, it's just great for, on both accounts that... Elvis and Top Gun were literally neck and neck and Top Gun's in its fifth week, but they play well to like both audiences. I think that really did speak volumes to like a lot of that movie going audience age is coming back to the theaters. And it's a really good sign because we need more reliance, I think, on that age group than uh, the younger demographics who are the prime demographics. But it's hard. I think it would feel like as a theater to really rely on them to be, you know, coming to your theater quite often yeah and they don't i mean like we're saying they don't make that they don't have those movies all the time mm -hmm. i mean movies uh have that artistic uh tone yeah <laughs> so there are films like this that come out where we have weeks where black phone which was a you know a well-reviewed lauded horror film yeah and then we have a well-reviewed um musical biopic so mm -hmm. these these have these have to work and they have to make decent enough numbers that we can continue to have these you know releases every week yeah because if we have if we don't have um superhero movies every week there's nothing to fill in there's nothing else there's right there's two or three a year of these and there's four or five animated films a year we can't just rely but we can't on... rely on those audiences alone yeah for sure but this was a really great weekend that showed that example i think because the top four movies all grossed above 20 million and that's a site that i don't think we've seen in a, it, quite a, a few years now it's been a hot minute <laughs> yeah like a, a very very hot minute but uh that was really the, the most exciting part out of this weekend for me was seeing something like that and it wasn't like two superhero movies and an animated movie it's like oh each one of these are for a different audience for a different age group and they're all really well received. Yeah, this is the kind of diversity in theaters that we were talking about, where yeah. there's not 12 films on screen that are all different for all niche audiences. It's Minions, and it's Top Gun, and it's Elvis, and Black Phone for Horror audiences. Mm -hmm. Like We're going to have the whole gamut this week with a brand new big opener, and these other ones should stick around and do decent numbers. We shouldn't have the 
the massive superhero drops that we see with these this week. Because yeah. if you're going to Minions, you know what you're going to get. If you're going to the other ones, you have a well-reviewed movie that had a decent opening That's you're going to enjoy. Yeah. If that's what you're going to. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I know that we're about to move on to our next topic, but I did want to mention the second trailer for Bros played in front of Elvis. Oh, my gosh. I know. It was when I saw that, I went, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I got to get out of here. But <laughs> They're all but, looking at me. <laughs> yeah. Why are they scowling? <laughs> but I got to say, um, the crowd that I was with was digging the trailer. Yeah. They had genuine laughs during the trailer, and I think it just worked to where it wasn't a startling trailer, despite the subject matter could possibly turn off that age demographic. But I think they saw it as a cute uh, rom-com, like how we were describing that they probably should have advertised to begin with, Start. and then let the big craziness of it all be in the movie. Yeah, exactly. You know, they didn't release um, Knocked Up or 40-Year-Old Virgin or Animal House with these crazy over-the-top trailers. They brought audiences in yeah. to the tent, and then they freaked them out. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. The idea is to get people into the into the room or interested, and then like, oh, I'll overlook these things that I'm not sure I'm ready to see on the big screen. <laughs> right, right. So I, I was really happy to see, I mean, uh, I don't know if it was just my screen specifically, but it gives me hope that that trailer could turn some people around and hopefully they go out and see that movie although one person did whisper to me next time i'll get you next time (laughs) (laughs) it's not my fault i'm sorry but no the the uh age demographic that was around seemed to have really enjoyed the trailer so that made me really hopeful for it just Mm. wanted to mention that for that baby boomer generation the next article is for you it looks like there's a new axis of evil over in europe (laughs) forming After France a couple of weeks ago, now Italy is getting all excited about these theatrical windows with their um, very... uh, Extensive windowing. Extensive. I'm trying to think of a word bigger than extensive. Yeah, that doesn't do it justice. Um, Yeah. Will you break this down real quick before I lay into these soft-hearted Europeans? I believe I'm trying to I'm looking through the article right now. Uh, if I remember correctly, they're pretty much wanting a windowing that would take up 17 months <laughs> almost. And uh, it's becoming more of an ongoing battle, uh, becoming more prevalent between France and now Italy and the studios to potentially shorten the window at least. So that way the studios can get their products onto um streaming services but it doesn't seem like france and italy are still wanting to back down but uh it's just becoming uh more and more curious about how this is going to go about because i think by the sounds of the article that i saw from hollywood reporter that the studios are would be willing to pull their stuff uh their content their movies from um uh their theaters completely and just only go straight to streaming kind of like what we saw with um, what was going on in the pandemic here in the States mm-hmm. during um, 2020 and a bit of 2021. Yeah. And looking at this article and hating the fact that these people don't, these countries are going to affect film releases for American theaters. At some point, they're going to be like, the film companies are going to be like, well, if we can't play it here, we just need a blanket policy. We need a blanket release for this where it's going to go on our streaming service or a different streaming service. Kyle, do you have any guesses how much of the worldwide box office France and Italy account for together? 
uh, I'm going to say <laughs> like under 25%. <laughs> they count for 1.75% of wow. the world box office. So no wonder they're more willing to pull. Who cares? <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> Get out of here with this. You're yeah. Gonna, you're going to, okay, you're telling Disney you're going to cost them 1% of your business? Mm-hmm. Well, great. They just have to sell like six more Moana toys. All right. Uh, move. If, if you can't handle the fact that a film company can release their film and then three months later, they can monetize it again. Yeah. Because there's no money made in the first, uh, after the initial three months. You're going to give them 14 months to sit on their laurels and be like, yeah, we'll give this to you for free. Yeah. <laughs> Get out of here, yeah. France and Italy. It's becoming more and more wild uh to see this unfold and i i wonder if what what the reasoning is for not wanting to budge and i'm wondering if it's because their understanding of their consumer market like it's not as quick and reactionary when it comes to entertainment as what the american market is i i i just don't know i that's just an idea that popped my head when i was reading this no these are the europeans that love to protest and fight and argue about every single tiny little thing fine you will close all of your cinemas will close because they are not able to play films that make the money sure every so often there's an amelie that you can play for three weeks at your (laughs) hidden speakeasy (laughs) cinema what a reference but okay (laughs) in nice in nice france yeah okay but that's not how the industry works and you have multiplex chains in Europe that are going to not only suffer but be forced to close because they're not able to open Disney Universal product that makes them money. And re- and uh, the result in that could affect uh, other industries when it comes to the countries as well. I mean, think about all of your um, uh, times that you've gone to the movies, but you're trying to make an event out of it, trying to make it an afternoon or an evening out of it. And First, you do a bit of shopping nearby the movie theater, or you go eat somewhere before you head to a theater. Like, it, it could really result in places around that movie theater that have seen business as a result uh, possibly get less than um, than what they're used to. Yeah, and I, if I'm Disney and I'm doing a live-action Hunchback of Notre Dame, guess what? I'm shooting it on a green screen. <laughs> I'm not shooting it. I'm not shooting any of this in France. All right, because now you're talking like a businessman. Yes, because <laughs> you've cost me money. I'm not giving you even my discretionary funds here. Mm-hmm. You have to, you have to play ball. All of the American theaters bend over backwards for these film companies to make sure that policies are followed and films are marketed appropriately and trailers are up and they're all required and do the right things. Well, if you can't make less than 2% of the total box office, you can move on. You can play all of your artsy-fartsy films while we play, <laughs> while we open Thor and make a jillion dollars. Yeah. I mean, let's look at Top Gun Maverick. I mean, I don't really expect France and Italy to be raving about Top Gun Maverick by any means, but the fact that it was able to gross enough money as it did uh, without, like, Russia and China, without it playing in those um countries they probably were fine and didn't notice france and italy's box office grosses i would imagine if they played it i haven't been able to see if they even have done that or not yeah i would love to see how much the film companies get back from these grosses 
which are disgusting in <laughs> Russia and China. There's no way that if a film makes hundred million dollars in China that they're getting back anywhere close to the percentage they, they take from their theaters here. Yeah. Nowhere close. And if they even get that money back, I mean, they're doing this to prop up numbers, but what happens if you play a film in China and China says, no, we're not going to pay you. What do you do? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing is Disney. What? You're not going to shoot another live action Mulan? Mm-hmm. Get out of here. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. One more question about this I have for you. Um, if 45 days might be too low for these countries, could a number within like 60 to 75 days be reasonable? Um, I know like Christopher Nolan, for example, he's a director that's pro- possibly going to be getting a 60 day window with his upcoming movie. And that could be reasonable enough because it's, you know, a movie that could last that long. But uh, 75 days, like, being the max because that used to be um, what the windowing was like prior. So I'm just thinking that range and seeing if that could be a decent compromise between the two. American theaters had 90 days. Mm -hmm. And then we moved to 75 with, like, the purchase window. Yeah. And then it went to 45 for most of the film companies. Mm -hmm. And Universal has 17 for the movies that don't work. Mm Mm-hmm. We're talking about a maximum we've ever had since home video of 90 days. They're asking for five times that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, these, they're, they're playing two different sports here. Yeah. It's, it's so far apart. I don't even know how you start negotiating this if you do. I mean, I mean for, for the studios aspect, they're like, look, we're not even saying that we want this window lowering so that way we can try to keep as much money for ourselves as we can. This is just ridiculous that you think a consumer needs to have see this movie in the 16th month of its run or yeah. whatever it is. No, it's it's absurd. Yeah. And it's absurd for 2% of your business. If, if one of these film companies, after the pandemic, with their built-in streaming services, bows to this demand, then the United States film exhibition industry needs to get the exact same benefits of this. And they're going to make sure that that doesn't happen. The studios. Of course, because we account for well over half of every movie's gross. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it doesn't make any sense for, uh, yeah, we're going to give this to France who has 1%. You know what I'm going to have behind me is every theater company, including AMC, Regal, and Cinemark, standing behind me going, we want this too. Yeah. Because you gave it to a 1% shareholder in our business. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's patently absurd. Yeah. <laughs> I just, on the one hand, I totally understand the rationale behind this being ridiculous, but if France and Italy pulls it off, well, it's going to be impressive. Like if, I, I can't if, deny it. it's going to be really off, impressive. It's going to lead to more conflict on our side of things. There so, will be popcorn rioting in the streets. Yes. Yes. Here. The streets will run yellow <laughs> with popcorn oil. I was going to say of corn syrup. <laughs> of... <laughs> I I can't imagine. I mean, if, if they do, it would be, you know, a total nightmare scenario for them moving forward with American theaters. Yes, it would. <laughs> and they don't want that. I can't imagine. Right, right, right. Oh, well, speaking of things devolving into chaos, <laughs> we, we have... Uh, Pixar, which we talked about earlier, but that we've seen a dramatic drop off in these 
Pixar films and Lightyear was just a, you know, something Disney didn't need right now. You know, they have Thor upcoming and all the controversy with Lightyear just made things even messier. Yeah. Um, upon its arrival, it really had this weird um, downward trajectory of how big this movie was going to be. And then we've seen the results of it from its release on the past two weeks, um, you know, with the likes of there being a same-sex kiss in the movie or, you know, the Tim Allen argument that it should have been Tim Allen. It should have. <laughs> or even there's the possibility that, um, you know, that, that audiences just didn't have a clue about this movie you know what i mean in yeah. the way of the plot being mm -hmm. okay so it's not a toy story movie but it's about buzz lightyear but he's not a toy in this mm -hmm. even though we knew him as a toy and and i i, I do think that could have partially led into um why it wasn't performing very well yeah this is the first time this has come to our industry um you know the the political landscape has been changing the last five years mm -hmm. and so this is the first time it's come to the industry where we've had a film that actually divided people and no, you know, um, all, all press is good press. That's not the case anymore. Like it, all press is good and bad depending on which side of the aisle you sit on. Yeah, for sure. So it's, it's not, I mean, if we had movies, this movie is so bad, you have to go see it actually helped some movies. Yeah. In the past. Yeah, for sure. So, and that would happen, but now this movie is bad. So people actually not only don't go, but tell other people not to go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, or it's it's so different now. And we haven't really seen this on this big a scale where... It affects know, a Pixar movie with the name yeah, Lightyear. Exactly. Yeah, where Where social media and um, was able to, to take down a film that is, you know, in for all intents and purposes, a franchise film. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is a big deal. Yeah. I mean, it was one thing where it was like, you know, the most popular type of genre being superhero movies where there's so many eyes on it. But now it, it seems like it's starting to leak more and more into other types of movies, like you were saying. I mean, it's for a Pixar movie, and Pixar movies are supposed to bring people together, audiences older and younger, and, you know, give them a great time in the theaters. But, yeah, for... We're seeing this with like Lightyear, and it kind of makes you wonder: like, is none of the other Pixar movies moving forward not going to have the same effect? Yeah, no, I'm, I, and it speaks volumes about what Illumination is doing with these minions. They are, yeah, they are non-specific characters. I mean, yeah. they're yellow. They have different amounts of eyes with non-specific <laughs> identities. They or wear their they wear their uniforms. You can't understand the language they're speaking. Sure, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of a lot of room for interpretation, but for some reason, no one's interpreting them. They're just like, yeah, I like them, and that's the key. Yeah, you just have to like them. Yeah, um, but that kind of brings up a good point too. Is that we were saying earlier on the podcast that it kind of feels like Illumination is now the in brand for animation, and I'm kind of wondering if Pixar is having the effect of not that same standard anymore. And I wonder if part of that also has to do with not only the popularity of illumination and minions, but also what went on with during the pandemic where Pixar movies were only releasing on streaming. Yeah. That, and I think Disney, you know, has a higher level of storytelling than a lot of others. They're really going Certainly. deep into family dynamics mm -hmm. and, 
gender roles and uh you know lately it's a lot of trauma-based stories uh generational type drama they're uh, trauma they're purposefully injecting a lot of diversity in these films mm-hmm. what illumination doesn't have are minions and little kids and secret life of pets the, i mean there's the no simple it, it's stories, a very uh, a, a bad story. a bad guy and a good guy and everybody's happy at the end yeah there's no there's no real um psychoanalysis involved it's just a straightforward movie yeah which is similar to what what i grew up with and you sort of grew up with because <laughs> you're I, younger i, I grew up more Disney, i, I mean, grew up more with the pixar but yeah yeah but it's it's uh, Fox and the Hound, and it's Sword in the Stone, and mm. it's it's animated movies where there is a protagonist, an antagonist, and the protagonist wins, and that's the end. You're yeah. not looking into these for some deeper message. Yeah, it's just that a face value. Entertainment. For sure. It's it's beautiful to look at, and it's entertainment for ninety minutes. Mm-hmm. And you know, Disney has moved into that. Whether or not it was purposeful that they thought the story was more important than the you know, the visual representation on screen, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's definitely, we've seen a sea change. Yeah. So I'm kind of wondering how this sea change is going to be continuing. If we're going to be seeing them, them being Disney go back to Pixar being streaming only movies, or if they're going to still continue releasing Pixar movies to theaters, but if they're going to change the concepts of what their movies stand for or what their, Mm -hmm. Um, not viewpoints, but but what what types of stories are they wanting to tell now? Are they going to go deeper into the storytelling, or are they going to do the face value yeah. that we're describing? I don't know that it's necessary to do the storytelling for these films. I mean, you have mm. to have a story that is a little bit beyond the basic good guy bad guy thing. Sure, like they did that with bad guys, where they had a twist in the movie that adults could appreciate but the kids are still like haha it's a gerbil <laughs> you know <laughs> but I mean, as they grow older and they rewatch that movie then that's when that yeah. stuff will dawn on them more i mean that's what shrek was i mean it was yeah. a, a movie an animated movie for kids made for adults yeah i and mean it, let's look at we're mentioning Lightyear. let's look at all of the toy story movies mm-hmm. growing up when i was younger it's that you know uh two guys who don't like each other then become best friends but then yeah. When you see it more and more as time goes on, you realize, oh, there's a lot more to it than just that. That is yeah. um, really clever and really good storytelling. Yeah, but it's all below the surface. Yes. It's not in your face, and it's not the dramatic like f- family dynamics that you see in these. I mean, sure. Yeah. En- Encanto is a tough movie to watch if you have not a good home relationship. <laughs> <laughs> If you're an insecure person, Ooh. I wouldn't. I wouldn't watch it too closely. Yeah, I would just sing just, the songs. Just stay at face value. Yeah. Just stay in that happy medium. And <laughs> yeah, but I mean, for for my kids who are six and eight, it's. I mean, they identify with the Illumination titles, and mm-hmm. they identify more than Disney with. Strangely enough, the the Blue Sky titles that were Fox titles, which are oh, the, okay the Ice Ages and the Ferdinands and things like that. Yeah, because they are softer films. Okay. There's family dynamics, but the family is a mammoth. <laughs> yeah. And the, and the dad is Ray Romano, and he just wants to have a, a nasally voice and protect everybody. And that's it. There's nothing beyond that. He's sure. not grappling with his <laughs> inner demons yeah, of his inner, childhood trauma. His inner demons. Sure, sure. So, you know, that's what these audiences have to have to 
to be non-confrontational, but to get them into the theaters repeatedly. Yeah, I think that's going to be the frustrating, at least from my stance. Um, and let your guy decent enough reviews for for a kid's movie. It's true. Despite all of the you know noise that was going on with the movie, it still mm-hmm. did get decent views. Um, for me, you know, I'm in the middle where I'm working in this industry and I'm understanding of maybe with the landscape changing the way things are going, like you kind of have to have these uh, kid movies, these anime movies at the face value that some of them are. But on the other hand, for me as like an audience member and how I knew how I grew up with movies, I do wish like some of those movies could keep going with that extra level and not, you know, have all this noise behind it. But I don't know, maybe just in the time that we're at right now that just needs to happen and then maybe over the course of a few years whether uh things change or not um that landscape can revert back to not being afraid to do that you know do you get what i'm saying yeah Yeah. no and the best thing we can do with movies like lightyear or uh bros that's upcoming that's Mm going to be divisive movies just because of the noise around them like Mm -hmm. you said is show the movie, support the film because the film company has made many, many films and then let your audience buy or not buy a ticket. Yeah. And then, and then move on from it because you know what? We have another movie next week or the week after time goes on and, and there's, not every movie has to be the greatest movie ever. No. And we've played plenty of bombs the last two years. Yeah. We played plenty of movies that didn't do any business. Yeah. That weren't controversial. I mean, every theater that was open in October 2020 played Tenet. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Every one of them played it. And it didn't make any money. But but it wasn't controversial. No. (laughs) So... So play Tenet again, if that's what you're looking for. Yeah, that's what the, the message here. Just play Tenet, which is a good movie. Kyle's, I like that movie. Kyle's all in on this. I like it. It still gives me a migraine when I think about it. It does that to you. But once you get over that, then the movie's fine. It's really good. <laughs> all right. So we're wrapping up with saying, everyone enjoy Minions this weekend. Yeah, enjoy your 4th of July. Enjoy um, seeing Minions or playing Minions. Hope theaters have a big, uh, successful weekend from that. Hope you keep all your fingers through the holiday. And we'll be back next week to talk uh, early show Thor viewings. Ooh. I think we're going to try to see it before we do next week. Oh, we absolutely should try. <laughs> and we'll have Cody back. So there you go. Yeah. All so three of us will she be can, back. She can moderate you and I ooing and eyeing over Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> yeah. She can be like, we're take only, it easy, guys. We're only going to talk about the uh, nude scene. <laughs> Just a heads up for everyone. Why, why did we gonna... not talk about that this entire podcast while Cody wasn't here? Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> I mean, we can still keep going, but I think we'll get uh, the, the the switch turned off from everyone's <laughs> computers and phones real quick. All right. Have a good weekend, everybody. Happy 4th. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to Off the Break Podcast. Find us on all podcast platforms or at ScreenInsider.co. And be sure to like and follow our Facebook and Instagram pages at Off the Break Podcast.